this is really a scripture about the mystery of divinity and what we do to try to make it make sense. Hi, friends. This is Under God. I'm Jackie Newsom. And I'm Isaiah Lewis. And we are two outsiders who are coming together to question the text and build community together. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Woo, woo, woo. We're still in Lent. I gave up all the things that make me happy sweets and fried foods and potato chips and etc. Follow us on Instagram. We are now posting there as well as on Facebook. Instagram is under God pod under underscore God underscore pod. Uh, Facebook is under God podcast, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, it should be easy to find. Um, we posted a throwback Thursday for the first time. Um, I'm excited. I'm really proud. And it was from our second episode of our first season where I made the comment about if you're going to be ugly acting with chips or without them, just have the chips. And, <laughs> and I needed that this week as I was hangry because I wanted the things that I wanted and not the things that I had in my house. Um, so and sort of reminding what God really wants from us as far as fasting or giving up things. So feel free to check out old episodes. A lot of our older episodes also center the Lenten season because that's how our seasons work. We really like this time of year and it works well with our schedules. (laughs) Maybe season three will be a different time of year, but not season two. So if you, yeah, if you want to get a sense of what we were talking about or what we were thinking last year around this time, I think it's really helpful And I would like to pat ourselves on the back because we are pretty consistent with our theology. And so you're going to hear a lot of the same themes because we hold strong that this is what God, this God thing, this faith thing, this community thing, this living thing is all about. So there's my plug for that today. We're going to go over, I mean, it's so funny because you guys don't know the order in which we talk about things. So when it's edited, it's going to be in the right order, but we just shit it on Ephesians for 13 minutes and so we're gonna talk about it now um and we're going to find some good news and maybe give you more context but we do Lectio Divina and so that's just a prayer practice right the goal is for us to spend time with the text and see what the text is telling us and see what we're telling the text we pick a text from the lectionary which we did not help organize (laughs) certainly this week emphasis on that we, we pick a scripture, we read from the Common English Bible because we think that translation is really accessible, easy to understand, helps break things down. And it's important that we can sort of all understand at a minimum what the words on the page are saying, even if we don't know what the context is. Um, and so we read from the CB and we read it once and we sort of talk about what stands out to us. We pause, reflect. We read it a second time. You all don't hear our second reading for the sake of time, but we encourage you to do a second reading. Uh, We reflect some more. We talk about context and yeah, sort of just dig in. Um, This is something great to do. You can certainly do it alone, um, but you can do it with other people. You all can sit around and listen to this or listen to the scriptures. Fast forward to sort of where we end up with our good news and see if you all agree or disagree. 
dare I say, this is a great COVID party activity. <laughs> We're available for for uh, virtual parties should you need us. <laughs> so, <laughs> Isaiah's virtual, like this chick. <laughs> virtual Bible study parties. Yes, because that's what we do. <laughs> Um, we use our expertise, so we both have the Masters of Divinity, um, which clearly we're experts, so trust us. <laughs> but we we do try to use not only our lived experience, but, you know, commentaries and other readings that we trust that we think speak to the othered um, in society. So here we are doing our thing. We're back. Isaiah, take it away. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to read, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and hopefully find some good news in it. Let's try to do that. Amen. At one time, you were like a dead person because of the things you did wrong and your offenses against God. You used to live like people of this world. You followed the rules of a destructive spiritual power. This is the spirit of disobedience to God's will that is now at work in persons whose lives are characterized by disobedience. At one time, you were like those persons. All of you used to do whatever felt good and whatever you thought you wanted so that you were children headed for punishment, just like everyone else. However, God is rich in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You were saved by God's grace, and God raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Christ Jesus. God did this to show future generations the greatness of his grace by the goodness that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. You were saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something you did that you can be proud of. Instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What are some words and phrases that stand out? God planned for these good things. God is rich in mercy. Spirit of disobedience, destructive spiritual power. Yeah. You used to do whatever felt good. Yeah. It's not something you possessed. We are God's accomplishment. Saved by God's grace. Goodness shown in Christ Jesus. Whew. This is just, Yeah. Go ahead. What were you going to say? You were children headed for punishment just mm-hmm. like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to read this as y'all not shit luckily god got you now you can be shit 
<laughs> um, but like, <laughs> I feel like those are the three moves. <laughs> so, the, so the, right, this is visually, even though this is not how this was understood or written originally, visually, there are three paragraphs, right? One, starting at verse one, and then um, four through five, and then verse eight. And like that, those are the movements, right? It's like, y'all are trash. And it's, and it's a spirit in you. It's the spirit of disobedience that got you acting like this. Luckily, mm -hmm. God is here and is going to, you know, do the things. And because God is here, you can be valuable, but not because you did anything. It's it, verse nine. It's not something you did that you can be proud of. Mm -hmm. So remember, you're not shit. <laughs> you weren't shit in the beginning <laughs> you still not shit yeah but god's got you and a guy that i dated really took issue with this notion right of how often we see on the face of the biblical text and perhaps in in the hearts of those living during the time it was being written this notion that we are nothing that we are absolutely nothing and his issue is like, how, how is that helpful or inspiring or encouraging or motivating, you know? And I think for a lot of folks, a lot of Christians that I grew up with, it's like, what is it? There was a saying, something about I'm, I'm just filthy rags, right? Like I'm nothing. God is, God is why I'm anything. And then it's like, when things go bad, it's like, well, because I'm nothing, you know? And it's like, well, how, like, that seems dangerous. And that yeah. seems to, to be a way in which we, like, we sort of rationalize bad things happening or oppressive behavior, abusive behavior, you know, like, it makes me a little uncomfortable. But you know me, it also makes me uncomfortable. Anything that is like negative or talking about sin or talking about humans, like, being awful. I'm like, no, God didn't really mean that. We're great. <laughs> So that's, I think, what's really hard for me in this text. I love, however, all of the God is rich in mercy and like God loves you and very slight, very generous readings uh, if on my end of uh, uh, nods to you can't earn this. God is giving this to you. I just wish the language was a bit gentler. I wish the language was, hey, you're going to make you're going to error. Right. And maybe and maybe it is more gentle in the original translation right but it's like hey you're gonna get it wrong that's okay because god's got your back and that's why this jesus thing is so valuable because there's 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 a different way you can do this thing and so so you don't have to be dead you don't have to sort of go with the flow you 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 actually do have the power to follow god and to follow god means not following empire right like i i just wish that's what it said, right? Because now I have to contend with the spirit of disobedience. Like I just, I can hear people telling their children, you have a spirit of disobedience and how condemning that is. Mm -hmm. That is, it's not even like your sort of outer, like carnal person. It's your, you have a spirit of disobedience that needs to come out of you. Mm -hmm. Whatever you've been doing spiritually is destructive. 
and whoever is still doing it is awful. You can you can be better, but there are also, there are people who are still doing it, and and that's awful. Mm-hmm. And they are headed for punishment, for destruction, for despair. That feels like condemnation. The condemnation that is not supposed to be in Christ Jesus, right? I don't I don't yeah. like it, and I want you to make it better. If we can just skip to like four through five, it's like God is rich in mercy. Thanks be to Jesus. God's grace saves you. Yeah, you're going to miss that, but it's all good. And you can't earn it. And it's cool. Just keep living and doing your best. Amen. Amen. Right? Like, that's what I want. Yeah. Fix it, Isaiah. Yeah, I don't know that I can. (laughs) Like, I can't make it say something that I want it to say. Yeah. Why does it say? What I can do is... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I can tell you why why it says this sort of historically, or I can try to. Yeah. Um, so this was written um, in the last third of the first century. Um, so it was a generation or two after Paul, actually. This was written by somebody who's pretending to be Paul, who isn't Paul, but is writing in the name of Paul. And... There's some idea that it's a letter. There are other ideas that because it's kind of generic, there's no problem um, or specific group of people that it's written to that it's possible that this was a, like a treatise, like that it was written as just like a theology or even like a preface to like Paul's writings, um, like a, like a preface. Um, But basically what happened, the problem that this, the the churches are facing at this point um are that jesus didn't come like in a generation which was what they thought they thought that jesus was coming soon like paul thought that jesus was going to come back real soon um and that didn't happen and so if that didn't happen they either this whole thing is made up or like Paul didn't understand something basically and or that they had to reinterpret what Paul had to say um so that Jesus basically instead of Jesus literally coming back within the generation they have to say that Christ is present Christ's salvation is present to us right now um and that yeah that Christ that there's this idea of like a cosmic Christ that Christ is um, is present in all ways and all times, and that's how how we're saved. We're currently saved, which was not what Paul thought. Paul thought that we would have our salvation at the end, essentially that there that we were living in between times. Whereas in Ephesians, it's like no, Christ's salvation is now, and. So there, there's that. They're trying to figure out why um, the end of the world hasn't come yet, why Jesus hasn't come yet, and create a new theology to explain that. Um, but they're also sort of falling into, they're also kind of looking around and being like, how do we understand ourselves? Um, and so they're trying to define themselves in opposition to Gentile pagans and there's this real tension between we're not like those other guys and also like in later chapters when we're talking about like the household 
um, order that, you know, we're not like those other guys. The world is sinful. Um, we're meant for spiritual things. There's this real dichotomy there. Um, but also some sense that we have to um, blend in with with the sinful world in order to get by. Um, so in this passage, there is what you hear is the dualistic language of we're not like those other guys. We're meant for spiritual things. Um, and that's sort of born out of this anxiety of like, who are we and how do we understand ourselves? Um, so yeah, that's that's some context at least. The other thing that I would say, and that isn't um, isn't context in a historical sense, but the only way that I can read it that makes any sense to me is there's a guy who I go to church with who, there are a couple of guys who I go to church with who would understand themselves as following this pattern. And I think that it, like, if you are somebody who is looking for a conversion story, in a way to understand yourself. So this guy that I'm thinking of, he's he's currently a pastor. He had a really rough childhood, um, did some things, I don't know what things, ended up in prison for a long time, um, was released from, from prison and became homeless. And then sort of through relationships, uh, got into housing and is now a pastor. Um, the way that he describes his conversion in prison sort of follows this pattern. And I, you know, I don't have anything to say about, uh, about that other than like, I think that this is a pattern that we kind of see frequently in stories of, of conversion. And maybe, maybe that's not the case in other places in other cultures, but I think here, sometimes there, I mean, sometimes for some people, there is this kind of before and after sense, but I also think that we want there to be a before and after sense. So I think both things can be true. Like, I, I don't doubt his conversion story because it's his and that's not my place. Um, I also think that, like, sometimes we want there to be a separation between us and those other people or us and our, our previous life for ourselves. Um, and sometimes that's healthy. I mean, sometimes you you do need to put some distance between yourself and, you know, actions that, that you've done in the past that were harmful. And you can claim a better, you know, healthier choices for yourself through an understanding of God's grace. Um, I think, yeah, where it becomes a problem is if you say, we're not like those other guys who are trash, right? Uh-huh. That's where it becomes problematic. So I don't know. Was any of that helpful? Did any of that make sense? Um, all of it was freaking amazing. You made this passage work. Glory be to God. Um, yes. There's a, there's a song we used to sing in the Faith and Freedom Choir at Second Baptist Church. Um, and it was, it the course was like, I'm not what I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And I guess in that sense, to, to the to the last thing you were saying, in that sense, it's okay, right? Because what we want is growth, spiritual growth, emotional growth, physical growth, right? Intellectual growth, like what we want, 
is to grow and change and be responsive to what's around us and improve, right? Like, so there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with saying, with like you said, putting distance between the person you were and the person you are, especially if you or others are trying to hold yourself back because of whatever you've done in the past, right? And that's where I think the, the richness of mercy and the importance of grace comes in and the ability to move forward, right? That you are not um, bound by a hostage to, right? It is not the case that you cannot get past whatever your past was, you know? So I think that is valuable. I think also the context you gave is critical because what this tells us is, what this reveals to us is more about the meaning making we engage in. Right. And it's not so much about what God says, right. Or what Jesus says, this is about how humans try to make meaning and try to understand things. This is really a scripture about the mystery of divinity and what we do to try to make it make sense. And what we do to try to make it make sense. And sometimes what we do to try to make it make sense ends up being hard harmful or right or we are willing to sort of we're willing to do whatever it takes to make it make sense and that means we're willing to sort of berate ourselves or engage in theologies that are kind of intense and like hurtful right what you're saying is these folks expected Jesus to come back again and when Jesus wasn't coming back again they then had to understand who they were in light of this faith a faith that they had sacrificed for right? A faith that that they had been in the minority for, right? A faith that wasn't free. This, this, this thing, this belief wasn't free and it wasn't easy. And so they had to make it make sense, right? Um, and, and I think this, this second part, and please correct me, Isaiah, but the second part happens today, right? This notion of we are not like, we are not like the other people. We are not like the non-believers because if we are all the same, if we are all equal, then why are we doing this, right? Then why do we sacrifice so much? Um, that to me is, I always talk about in-group and out-group and I talk specifically about the black church because that's my lived experience. But I mean, right, it's like, we are looking for ways to exclude folks because there has to be, I, like I have to get something out of this. I have to be better than someone who is not, you know, giving up fried foods for Lent. I have to be better than someone who is not thinking about the ills of capitalism, right? I have to be better than, you know, I think a lot of my clients, a lot of my clients play this game, which is so dangerous, but it's what they're taught, right? Well, well, I'm not, if I have a client who has a DV case, well, I'm not a murderer, you know? If I have a client who has a theft case, well, I'm not a robber. I'm better than that, that person. It's a game we play that is, that is wholly a function of societal teaching and not of God, I maintain, right? That God is a God that values difference, but is not interested in hierarchy. Yeah. We are interested in that because we are trying to make this thing make sense. And so just like in context, these folks like had something to lose. And so they had to make this work. And, and if, in order to make it work, they had, to, they had to be able to explain some things to themselves. And so this, yeah, so this text is 
while I think this text has some truth in it, right? I think it is true that God is rich in mercy. I think it is true, right? That we like, there's, there's nothing you can do to earn it. And, and likewise, there's nothing you can do to have it snatched away from you. This is a gift. That's the nature of a gift. <laughs> Even in the law, that's the nature of a gift. It's yours. You don't have to give it back. <laughs> you don't owe anyone for it. That's how gifts work. Right. Um, I think that part's true, but I think the really intense language about us, you know, being trash, we don't have to consume that fully. We don't have to consume that fully because I don't think God believes that about us. My pastor growing up, Dr. Heisel B. Taylor, may he rest in peace, would always say, God didn't make no junk. And the reason why he would say that is because he was preaching to a congregation of black folks, right? Who were consistently oppressed and told they were nothing in society. And he would always say, God didn't make no junk. So for me, I'm unwilling to believe that we're just trash, right? Because God didn't make junk. I don't know. Where does, where does that get us? What do you mean? Does that get us any closer to good news? Before you answer that, can I, can I say one more thing? Yeah, totally. So what I don't, don't know if this will make the cut, but if it does, it does. Right. So to me, the most convicting thing where I see myself the most in that first paragraph, so verses one through the end of three, is what I, what I called out is the used to do whatever felt good and whatever you wanted. And for me, sex and relationships and pleasure is that, right? Because I feel like that's the only thing that I'm doing that feels good. I feel like everything else in my life I'm doing because I feel this sense of call or purpose. Not to say those things don't, don't also feel good, but it's very different, right? For me, sex, pleasure, relationships, going out on dates, being really excited about Dr. Miami, who being willing to be reckless, right, with him, knowing that I may never see him again. That is, I feel like I'm, that is against God. That is just doing what feels good. And so I feel this conviction of like, and I felt this growing up, right? If it feels too good, it's gotta be wrong. Mm -hmm. If there isn't this consistent pain or torture, which I feel like the people living during this time and, and the fake Pauline writer would agree, right? If it feels too good, we probably shouldn't have it. Because this, this following Jesus thing is all about, is all, is all and only about sacrifice and taking up your cross and being persecuted. And, and that is what makes us better than others. And being so, you know, our spirits being pure and being so obedient to God and obedience to God means forsaking this, 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 and this, you know? And so for me, that's what I hear. And that's the conviction. And it's like, yep, I'm not, I'm not doing this God thing right. Cause every day it doesn't hurt mm -hmm. or every day. I'm not thinking about the ways in which I'm not getting the money that I, that I wish I would have, or that would make my life on earth easier. Right. Or all the ways I'm not taking the easy road and doing the easy job. I'm serving God's people. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then it's like, but look at you. Look at how you are fiending for, chasing after pleasure. You need God's mercy because you're wrong. You need God's grace because you're bad. That spirit of disobedience is deep in you because you can't shake this thing. So thank God, Jackie, 
Thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for Christ coming. And don't you dare be proud of it because you can't shake this thing. You need this to be whole. That's the truth of what that's I hear, true. how I understand this text, you know? So that's the, that's the truth you hear? That's, that's what I, like, that is the truth. Not that is the truth I hear, like, that's the truth of the text. That's the truth, like, I'm being honest about my feelings. Yeah. Like, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> like, and that's the truth. Like, that's how I feel. And that's, and it's just like, ew. But also, yeah, right? Like, I'd be lying if I didn't say, if I didn't say that. That's what happened when I read that text. And so you feel like it is actually wrong for you to be, you know, going on these dates? It is wrong for me to be chasing the pleasure and the feel good and the love and the connection in the way that I am. Because that's just doing what, what I want. That's just doing what feels good. What do you think God would want instead? For me to be more faithful and just sort of like fall back and like maybe not be on apps at all or maybe not be so like actively and aggressively looking for and chasing that feeling, but to just sort of wait on God to deliver the feeling to me or to deliver the person to me or, you know, to let it fall in my lap. Like I'm like I'm as the kids say, I'm doing too much. Do you, so you believe that, that, that that's what God wants? Or is that something that you fear God wants? Is it, is it cognitive dissonance to, to believe both? Is that what that word means? Is that how I would use that word? Um, I think cognitive dissonance would be when you're trying to reconcile something. Okay. Um, it's well whatever the word is ambivalence yeah yeah ambivalence that's the word because it's like i think both Hmm. but maybe i think one because i'm just doing what i want you know like yeah that's my narrative like oh you're just trying to do what you want and so you're gonna have this pleasure narrative and you're gonna do the things and then, of course, on better days, I'm like, no, but that's truly my understanding about God and theology and it's God's value about pleasure and blah, blah, blah. And like, what's reasonable when God wants, you know, yeah, go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so I think in that way, I feel it, I feel akin to my play cousins in the text who, who are, you know, seemingly also feeling the same way, at least a little bit, right? Because that's how we get this piece of writing. Mm-hmm. But feeling that way sucks, you know? Like, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that's hard is, like, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is it's it's one thing to know that you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. It's another thing to not be sure. Um, and it kind of sounds like, for you, you don't know whether or not God has feelings about you dating. Um, or the way that you're dating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you you fear that that God may disapprove of the way that you're you're dating, but you're not sure. Like mm-hmm. and that sort of in-between place can lead to a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I'm hearing you say. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yep. And, and that in, in all of these feelings and in this anxiety, I, I can see myself in this text and Mm -hmm. I can, I can appreciate the context of that the folks who were living during the time we're in, you know, is what I'm trying to get at for the, for the sake of the podcast, right? Like that I can, I can see how this happens and I I can see Mm -hmm. how these moves happen. And I can see how you can have a, a, a scripture that is, that is both true and maybe somewhat not true or influenced by our own human biases, right? Where you can have a text that so beautifully, I think, and, and accurately explains the depths of God's grace and mercy, but also I need a word that is not shits on humans, <laughs> but like, you know, that also, like, we don't have to shit on ourselves for God to be great. So this is not to say that what you're talking about is sin, um, because I don't think that's the case, but I do think that we can talk about sin in a way that does not therefore lead to an understanding of humans as like totally depraved. Yes. Yes. Look at that vocabulary depraved. All I have, all the lawyer has is shit, but yes, the writer the academic has depraved. Amen. And I should. Well, the person who grew up Presbyterian. <laughs> you know, total depravity is like the main claim to fame. That <laughs> and the idea of the elect. So if you want to talk about some shit theology. <laughs> I mean, that's like OG. Like people are trash. Except some of them. <laughs> But those people don't even know it yet. <laughs> like that's 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 a big part of being a Presbyterian. We kind of try to stay away from that bit now. I say we. I'm trying to divorce myself from the Presbyterians <laughs> as we speak. So I don't know where we leave this, friend. I kind of need to go. I need to go to church. Yes, amen. Well, so I actually think we we leave this at, and I think we've maybe left at least one other episode like in the same way. But I think we leave this at. The good news here is that um, because we understand context, we know that we don't have to consume this in the way that it's presented. The good news here is that this is not completely and totally God, right? Like that's the good news to me. The good news to me is that humans are not depraved. We don't have to read this text at face value. The good news to me is that this is why we care about context. This is why we do this exercise. And so the good news is we can go live as free people, keep the faith understanding right that god is great and merciful and guess what you're great too and you're valuable too and you do not have to be negative towards yourself down yourself be self-deprecating in order to value believe in serve worship god mm-hmm. and that's good news because if we had to if we had to always hold our heads down right and be nothing day in and day out this world would even be worse for the other that we are god doesn't require that our fear sometimes tells us to do that right our confusion our concern our sort of lack of imagination but god doesn't require that and i think that's what we learned today that's our good news yeah and god doesn't require us to shit on other people either yes (laughs) no say that yes or to assimilate. Neither neither is a requirement. Neither one is of God. Um, you know, there may be times where it is healthier for you to separate from a group of people for your own well-being. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to 
you know, have to understand them as those are the children of wrath and you're not. Right, right. So I think, you know, what you're talking about, just the human anxiety, the humanness that we can see in this text. Yeah, you're right. That The good news is we don't have to live in that fear. Um, we can live in God's mercy. And the good works that God does through us, like we can, yeah, we can affirm that without understanding ourselves as, you know, but for the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. We did it. We're getting good at this. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> We're like getting more and more efficient. Um, okay. Since you have to run, let's do the benediction and go. And I just want to note for our listeners that I didn't see a cat appearance today. And so I'm concerned that this episode is not going to be as good as others. Because if there's no cat vomit or cat distractions, I don't know if the Holy Spirit is working. So <laughs> there were no there was no dog barking either. Like we're that's just true. having a pet free environment. That's true. And that's concerning to me. <laughs> now i'm worried <laughs> you said that and pan shifted on her blanket so she she hears that you're talking about she, her sorry sorry sis don't get mad um <laughs> all right go for it fam now go live as free people and you know what keep the faith baby Under God was created by Jackie Newsom and Isaiah Lewis. Our music is by Broke for Free. It's complicated, but not completely terrible. So I'm really selling it, aren't I? <laughs>